Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I think anybody can have an artful eye. Anybody can create something. And so... I don't think, you know, if you feel like you're not an artsy person, that you need to feel held back at all. Anybody can DIY something. Welcome to Being Home with Hunker, a podcast where we explore the idea of home, not just as a place where you live, but as an expression of your identity. I'm your host, Lori Gunning-Grossman, Editorial Director at Hunker. Today on the show, we have DIY expert Trisha Sprouse. Trisha is a three-time Webby Award-winning content creator specializing in DIY and lifestyle content. She does everything from soup to nuts, including brainstorming ideas, creating the projects, photographing her step-by-step process, and video production. Trisha is a self-taught DIYer. Through trial and error, she's figured things out, and she does it so well. I know firsthand because Trisha and I used to work together on the editorial team for a website called eHow. I remember when she was hired because she was already skilled in creating DIY projects for her own blog. So her experience and eye for producing this type of content made her the perfect fit in helping to guide other creators. She's since moved on to being a full-time content creator. And luckily, we still get to collaborate with her at Hunker. I'm sure you've seen many of our DIY projects if you visit hunker.com or receive our weekly DIY in a Day newsletter. We talk about some of her incredible tutorials in this episode, so I've linked to them in our show notes. In this conversation, Trisha shares helpful advice for anyone who wants to begin DIYing, including a helpful tip for creators who want to get paid for producing DIY content for other publications and brands. She also shares her top five DIY tools, and we talk about IKEA hacks. You'll love hearing her top three things to do specifically when using IKEA products and DIY projects. 
As you'll hear, while DIY was originally born from necessity for Tricia, she's realized that it's become cathartic for her to create something out of nothing. For her, it's art, it's therapy, it's poetry. So let's welcome our guest, DIY expert, Tricia Sprouse. You're my DIY go-to guru. <laughs> it's true. It is true. Thank you. <laughs> so you and I met when we were both working at eHow as editors. Right. Yes. And you were hired to come on as an editor to work with DIY creators. Right. I oversaw uh, several writers. I think I started out with the crafts and then eventually that kind of ballooned into home decor and then... Um, that sort of parlayed into like the video production. And then from there, we kind of ramped up video and um, I got more into to that side of production. So prior to when we met, mm -hmm. you had your own blog. Right. And I'm curious what that feels like for you, first being just a content creator and then working with people helping to produce this type of content. I, I think having been on the editorial side of things, you know, I have a better understanding of how readers are going to need to digest that information, right? You know, it's not as simple as just put this color paint on this, you know, and, um, you know, screw this in here. Like people need to know the details, like, you know, what prep needs to happen before that paint is on there? You know, what's the drying time? You know, what do you need to sand in between that? And so all of the little um, idiosyncrasies that are embedded into DIYs is something that I think I became more tuned into uh, just from being an editor on that side of things. Right. So prior to prior to editing work and work with other people, you were working as your own solo content creator. You have since moved on and you're working as your own Trisha Sprouse content creator. Right. How did it start for you? Have you always been <laughs> making things since you were little, DIYing? What was the beginning? Yeah. I mean, I think I've always been a creative person and certainly my parents were big DIYers. You know, they were mm. into like wallpapering their, you know, the little borders around their kitchen and laying their own tiles. So I think that sort of laid the foundation of, you know, hey, you can actually do stuff around your house. You don't have to hire a crew or an interior designer to do things. Yeah. And then I think my particular passion for DIY was born for me, out of necessity, I, I moved to LA when I was 20 and I was working as a temp, you know, had zero budget uh, for decorating, but I wanted my apartment to look cute. And so I started, you know, with painting a bookshelf or, you know, ripping pages out of a magazine or a calendar and framing it because I couldn't afford, you know, original artwork. And from there, I think that's kind of where I realized that, you, you know, you don't have to have a huge budget to have, you know, a nice home. You can make stuff yourself. And did you just teach yourself along the way? Uh, yeah, for the most part. I think a lot of it was was trial and error because this was the time before YouTube, before, you know, TikTok. And there were, wasn't a huge library of references on the internet at the time. And so for me, yeah, it was a lot of trial and error. I think my first project I 
used like a small bottle of craft paint to to paint a laminate bookshelf. And two months later, when it was peeling all over the place, I was like, okay, I guess that was not the right paint choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and that definitely led to asking some questions at the hardware store, you know, and actually having conversations with people who who knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And think, you know, over time, you just sort of like get to understand the process better just by doing. Yes. So before we delve into some of like your favorite DIY projects you've done, I want to talk about some top DIY tools that people can use. Yeah. Because our hunker audience, we have a lot of people who love their DIYs. We have our weekly DIY in a day newsletter. Your content is in there all the time showing people (laughs) how they can make these really easy DIYs in a day, essentially a day, Mm -hmm. maybe a weekend. So I want to share some of that because I also know there are a lot of beginners listening But before we do that, what is some of your top DIY advice that you would give to DIYers, especially beginners, that you think might be helpful for them to know and maybe something that you wish that you knew, specifically when it comes to DIY and home decor? I I would say that you don't need a ton of skills. You don't need a ton of power tools. You don't have to have a big budget to DIY. You know, it can be something as small as painting an old nightstand or, you know, switching up the hardware on a piece of furniture or your cabinets. Um, There's peel and stick everything now that doesn't require, you know, any power tools other than scissors or a craft knife. So the, the barrier of entry is pretty low when it comes to getting into DIYs. I don't think, you know, you have to have this vast knowledge. And now with the internet, there really is a huge library of resources. If you don't know how to do something, you can type it into Google and find probably 10 different tutorials to tell you how to do it. Mm, Right. So I would say don't let your lack of knowledge or lack of, you know, power tools stop you from starting. And I think like with me, when I first started, you know, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing. I just threw some paint on something and, and you know, let, let, let it see where it led. And I think anybody can do that. The more they start and gain some confidence, you know, they might feel compelled to try another project. And so that's one. Uh, another one is that you don't also have to be a creative, really. I think anybody can have an artful eye. Anybody can create something. And so, I don't think, you know, if you feel like you're not an artsy person, that you need to feel held back at all. Anybody can DIY something. Yes, absolutely. Let's see. What else is there? Something that I've started to do over the last couple of years that's really helped me is mood board or mock-up things, especially if it's going to be like a bigger project, because that one really helps you clarify your vision for something, which can save you a lot of headaches um, or making costly mistakes. And... Too, it, it also helps you kind of figure out the steps before you even get started. For example, I did a IKEA hack recently um, where I turned like an IKEA calic shelf into a brutalist inspired sideboard. Ooh. And um, before even getting started, I like researched it. You know, I, I knew exactly how I wanted it to look, what the stain color was going to look like, what the pattern was going to be before I even got started. So that just made it that much of a more simple process to go out and buy the supplies that I knew I needed, which steps I needed to take to assemble it and then get to the final vision. Yeah. You know, without having to test, you know, was this the right stain? Was this the right pattern? Because like, 
gluing things on and then realizing after the fact, like, oh, I, I don't like that, you know? Yeah, yes. It <laughs> can be expensive. <laughs> it's very smart. It reminds me of how I hear directors with movies, they create storyboards of the scenes right. to help them, you know, see the greater picture. Yeah, it's so helpful. It yeah. really is. <laughs> so maybe you're not so surprised at some point when you're like, ah, I forgot right. the whatever. I forgot this stain. <laughs> I do it a lot now with paint, too. Um, like, I used to obsess over paint colors, mm. and then I would paint something and realize in, like, the light of day that it was not the right color. Or, you know, I loved it in the morning, but I hated it, <laughs> you know, at night. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like, especially, like, if, if you're trying to, like, match things with, like, your furniture or your, you know, your drapes and your pillows and the rest of your decor – Putting that against that color on Photoshop can really help inform your choice. Like I've I've definitely been using that a lot lately too. Yeah. So smart, so organized. <laughs> You're so organized. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love when you and I work on some ideas, and I should say it's more of you pitching some beautiful ideas of some DIYs to work on. And you do include for us to look at basically like a mood board. And it's so yeah. helpful. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's actually, that's, I've, I think it's been, yeah, like a year or two that I started doing that with pitches um, mm -hmm. just because I found that sometimes I used to pitch things. And then when it actually came to like making them, I'd be like, hmm, I didn't think that through. <laughs> you know, like, how am I actually going to make that? Yeah. So now I find that, you know, by like mood boarding things and, and, seeing like how is something actually going to be constructed and brought to life yes really helps me understand like can I actually do this yeah well I'll say you do pitch some ideas and I'm like I love this idea I don't know how she's gonna do it but go for <laughs> it and you make these beautiful you know limestone planters or you know these things where I'm like how do you do it it's so cool it's so Thank cool. You. So thinking about this, what have been some of your favorite um, DIY projects that you've done and why? Uh, well, funny you should mention limestone because yeah. I think that's actually like my top favorite DIY I've ever Ooh. done is that limestone bench that I made. I think Love it was it. earlier this year for Hunker. Yes. yes. Yeah, I'm obsessed with that hyper tufa process in general, you know, where you mix the Portland cement with peat moss and the um, vermiculite and it turns into this like limestone mixture which I've, for Hunker, I've used it to also make a planter. Yes. You know, it kind of looks like those old stone troughs. So that was like definitely a favorite. I love that wavy vase I made. It was part of the DIY in a Day video series that we did. Yes. Where I took a thrift store vase and I used oven baked clay to make these like wavy handles and yes. attached to that. And then just spray painted it all with this like fun textured paint. Um, I get a lot of comments on Instagram about that base. Like, where did you buy that? Where is? Where can I get that? Oh, I yeah. love it. Well, we will link to that in our show notes for sure so oh, people good. can see the DIY. Yeah. <laughs> good. I also really am into like thrift flips lately. Um, I love taking, you know, something that's old or outdated and just giving it new life. Instead of, you know, going out and buying something new, it's like much more sustainable too, yeah, which is nice. Right. I love like getting old mirrors and just using some rub and buff to give them like a gilded treatment or, you know, finding like an old canvas or artwork and, you know, you can spackle over it and create that textured art, which is like so viral right yes, now. Yes. You can mod podge any kind of like new print on top of, you know, an old canvas. Yeah. So I'm really into those kind of DIYs lately. I love it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. So when you're using tools to do your DIYs, Mm -hmm. are there like five tools or accessories, things that people could use that you feel are just like essential in any DIYer's toolkit? I would say for anybody, number one is a power drill. I think that's essential. You know, that's something that you need to assemble anything or hang anything. Um, So definitely a power drill. Number two, I would say an orbital sander. That will save you a lot of um, elbow grease if you're trying to strip um, paint or stain from anything, if you're going to like try to refinish, you know, a piece of furniture. Right. So definitely an orbital sander. A miter saw comes in handy and that doesn't have to be those like really expensive, you know, $300 power miter saws. You can get the little handsaw miters yeah. for I think 10 bucks. But uh, that will go a long way if you're doing any kind of trim work um, where you need to have 45 degree angles on mm-hmm. your corners where they right. meet to give it that polished look. So that that definitely comes in handy. Let's see. I would say a staple gun. Uh-huh. That's not necessarily a power tool. You don't need power for it, but it's yeah. really handy to have um, if you're doing any kind of upholstery work. If you want to recover you know, a chair seat or redo a bench. Um, we did a headboard recently with uh, boucle fabric. We did that cloud headboard for mm-hmm. Hunker, which I love. Yes. So yeah, I think a staple gun is great. And I want to say a hot glue gun. Oh, yeah. You know, anybody can use it. And you can turn any project really into a no-sew project with hot glue these days. Yes. Um, you can get special hot glue, actually, that is fabric hot glue, which it's easier to wash it. It makes it washable. But I would say hot glue for sure. <laughs> I use that constantly. Right, right. Now, you mentioned IKEA hacks before. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, people in the DIY world, the audience loves the DIY hacks. Yes. 
why do they love those DIY hacks so much? <laughs> why do you think they're so popular? <laughs> First, let's talk about that. And then I want to know when they are embarking upon an IKEA hack as a DIYer, uh-huh. some things to know specifically about using those products. So why do you think they're so popular? What is that? I honestly think... One, it's because the the IKEA pieces are so affordable. You know, Mm. you can pick up like pretty much anything within any type of budget there. Yeah. Two, I think their style is so, I would say, unadorned. You know, the the Nordic or Scandinavian style is very simple. Mm -hmm. And so it lends itself to being customizable. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can change the look of it super easily um, because a lot of their pieces are just kind of plain. Yeah. So I think that's why a lot of people gravitate towards them because it's affordable and it's easy to change the look of it. Right. As for some tips about uh, IKEA hacks, I think the first thing to remember is that a lot of their laminate pieces Mm -hmm. are like super slick surfaces and you definitely can't just slap on some paint and call it a day. You're going to want to take some time to uh, prep those surfaces. So a good primer for sure will go a long way. Yeah. My favorite is the Zin Bullseye 123. I feel like that sticks to anything and it lets anything stick to it. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people have had some good results with the Kills primer. Um, and I think the other one is Zinzer Bin. You'll be good to go with any of those primers. Oh, yeah. But yeah, number one, definitely prime if you're going to paint an Ikea piece. <laughs> Don't yeah. skip that. And also because a lot of their pieces are like that knotty pine mm-hmm. and those wood knots will bleed through paint if you're painting anything that's like a light color. Yeah. So a primer will block those from bleeding through and give you like a nice pretty surface. Yeah. That'll last. Okay, next one. Two, I think seal everything. You seal those paint, you know, if you're going to paint or or stain anything, um you definitely want to seal that goodness in yeah. with a good sealant. I like the Minwax water-based. It's the polycrylic clear coat. Right. I put that on pretty much like any IKEA hack that I do. What else? Oh, uh, I would say another thing that is kind of like a dead giveaway of an Ikea piece is the furniture legs. You know, they're kind of like recognizable. So that's one thing if you're going to hack it, you know, definitely consider changing the legs. There's so many options on Amazon, Etsy. Uh, There's that company, I think it's called Pretty Pegs, Mm -hmm. where you can find legs for any Ikea piece to change the look. And I I really think it goes a long way to change the lines of the piece of furniture just by switching out the legs. Yeah, I agree. It totally changes the whole look. That's a good tip. Yeah. I think that's that's all I have. Uh, Those are good. (laughs) Those are great. Thanks. (laughs) Where do you go for your own inspiration for creating content? You know, I think I used to gravitate like everybody towards like Instagram and Pinterest um, online. But and now that the algorithm, everything's like based on an algorithm, I realized one day I was like, you know, the things that are inspiring me are literally what the algorithm thinks I want to see, you know, and there's really nothing organic about that. So I'm lately really trying to, to stay off of digital inspiration and and find things just outside of the digital world. So, you know, just old-fashioned travel or window shopping, people watching, museums, nature, yes. you know, any anything that's kind of outside feeding in, you know, not yeah. not something that's on a screen because I felt like 
a lot of the stuff that I was saving on Instagram or pinning on Pinterest, you know, it all just sort of like starts to look the same, you know, yeah. there's just a lot of things that are trend based. And I think that's also a part of the algorithm, you know, you're, you're seeing what it thinks you want to see. Right. So get outside. Right. And look around. <laughs> yeah. Look around you, you know. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny because before social media, that's what I did used to do for inspiration. You know, I used to just love to walk around, you know, like an outdoor mall and, or sit on a bench or take in the scenery or like look at films and be inspired by the sets um, or, you know, the set design. So yeah, for me, I'm, I'm really making a conscious effort to make sure I'm getting those outside doses of inspiration. Yeah. So you're now doing content creation full-time as your own business brand person. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm sure that there are people listening to this who would love to follow that path as well, who want to have their own business and create their own content. So if someone wanted to start getting paid to create DIY content and work with other brands and publications, what advice do you have for them? You have to put your work out there, really um, and truly. That's the one thing that got me, you know, the job as an editor in the first place, and which ultimately led to being able to work as a contributor. And just being an editor, I, I remember having to be in the position of looking for contributors and being like, we need, you know, X, Y, and Z projects filled and I need to go out and find writers for that. So as long as your stuff is out there, people can find it and consume it. So I think if that means, you know, blogs are so kind of outdated these days, it's like a, it's like a dinosaur, but having a portfolio is a great thing to do. So if you have made, you know, DIY projects, like take photos of all of them um, and put them online on a, in an online portfolio, definitely share your stuff on social media. And I think connect with other DIYers, you know, is a, is a great resource because I've had a lot of editors ask me, hey, do you have any other DIY people who can help with this project? And I've referred like tons of people just from like knowing them on Instagram or seeing their stuff and saying, hey, yeah, I think this person does really great work and, you know, they might work out. So I think it's good to network with the DIY community as well. Yeah, that's great. That's a great tip. So let's talk about your home a little bit. Sure. <laughs> so we met here in California, where I am. Yes. You're now in Florida. You made the move. You had twins. Yes. But they're what now? Are they five? How old are they now? Six. six. Yeah, they just finished kindergarten. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Went so fast. So fun. Yes. <laughs> so when they were babies, mm -hmm. you and your husband decided to make the move to Florida. Right. And you are now living in this beautiful house. <laughs> How do you describe the uh, the style of your house? It's a 1941 colonial. Yeah. Definitely got some old bones, uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> for sure. It's yeah. like all of the original everything, floors, uh, trim, doors, everything's like all original here. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's definitely the huge switch uh, from yes. our, our two-bedroom apartment in Los Angeles to, to coming here, for sure. <laughs> right. Because you also have land, and there's a lake or a pond behind yes, you? Yes. We live on a creek. Yeah, okay. And there's a creek in the backyard. And then um, in the front yard, there's like a very small uh, citrus orchard oh or a citrus grove, I guess you would call it. Um, a bunch of orange trees, lemon trees. Yeah, it's awesome. I do love that. We're definitely spoiled by all of the land that we have here. That's something that we didn't have in LA for 
sure. Yes. So how would you describe your home in three words? I would say neutral. I'm definitely a neutral lover. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Textured. I do love a lot of like organic textures. Like I have a lot of jute rugs. I love the limestone bench, like, you know, stone textures. I love plaster, just the, the, the great textures you get from stone pieces. And I also say warm. Mm. I, I gravitate towards, you know, a warmer tone of things. It's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And if I could add a fourth, it would be messy. Oh, <laughs> with two kids. <laughs> Let's keep it real. <laughs> two twins, age six. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. The the mess follows kids everywhere. So, right. <laughs> yeah, whether you're in California or Florida, you're going to find so it. So true. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're home, what is your favorite space? Um, there's this big picture window at the top of our stairs that looks out onto this huge oak tree. And it's definitely that quintessential Florida, you know, it's dripping with Spanish moss, like vibe. And it's where I love to go and like center myself. You know, I can just look out the window and watch the the moss blowing, um, look out over the orange trees. We always get like tons of butterflies that are mm. fluttering around the trees out there, dragonflies. Um, so that's definitely um, my favorite spot to just kind of take a minute and check out a little bit. Oh, it sounds heavenly. <laughs> I love the butterflies too. Yeah. Love the butterflies. Yeah. That's the one good thing about uh, having all this land is there's just tons of you know, birds. We've got owls in our trees that we see every night. We've got like hummingbirds, butterflies, dragonflies, like just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Definitely mosquitoes too. The bad bugs are I bet. I bet there's a <laughs> lot of mosquitoes. too. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so in addition to this space you mentioned where you're in front of the picture window and you stayed at the trees, that sounds so beautiful. What brings you joy when you're at home? Definitely getting offline and just connecting with my kids. You know, we've all got fast-paced lives and there's always, you know, some deadline to make, something to, you know, photograph or write or edit. And um, for me, just putting that all away and connecting with my kids, you know, and just being completely present with them, that definitely is a source of joy for me, for sure. Do you DIY with them? Yeah, actually, they are very big into making stuff. I think they like to copy mommy because they're always like watching me when I'm doing photo shoots. Um, And my son now, he is always like, he'll take when I'm done with the shoot, he'll come in and he'll like start judging things on his own. And he'll be like, look, mommy, can I take a picture of this? That's Um, so cute. Yeah. And he'll be like, look, I styled it just like you. (laughs) I love it. It's it's really, really cute. Um, They're very big into like, artwork, you know, painting uh, stuff. They love making little like things with Play-Doh. I mean, I'm sure every kid does, but yeah, yeah, they're very, very creative. They like to get their hands dirty, which I think they probably (laughs) inherited from me. Yeah, that's so sweet. (laughs) I'm imagining because you're doing this work as your own boss, Mm -hmm. that you're able to set up a life for yourself where you're able to spend time with your kids and be there because you do all this from home, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely um, been such a huge bonus for me to be able to work from home. I can kind of like 
structure my my work hours around you know the times that I you know do the school drop off and the pickup yeah and when I you know have to do my photo shoots but I I do a lot of the work you know with them here they've sort of become used to like watching you know mommy's painting something mommy's making something else um and and they're always very inquisitive about it like what are you making now what you know what's mommy doing this time yeah um and so i i like that they get to see me work you know i think it's been good for them to see that definitely yeah how everything kind of comes together and then do you show them when it's published on a website do you show them like hey look yeah yeah for sure that's fun for them yeah in fact when we used to do a lot more video content They uh, loved watching the videos, especially Mm. like the things that were like, you know, Christmas themed or Halloween themed or things like that. They would just sit there and be like, well, and I've I've actually used them as little, little models in some of those, uh, some of those pieces, which they found like very exciting. So, and by the way, my kids are older than your kids, but I've shown them your videos or your content Uh and they always love it. They just think it's like magical that things can be created from like popsicle sticks and hot glue, you know, and (laughs) some other little materials. And they're always, my kids have always loved it. And I always say like, that's Trisha's work. And they're like, oh my God. Yeah. Like they just find it so so sweet. And there is something magical about creating something with your hands and making something come to life. I am not a DIYer. I love working with DIYers. I love working with you and seeing something come from imagination to fruition. It's so Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. I don't know if it feels like magic to you because you just do it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, you know, it's funny because I get sometimes comments um, like, why DIY this when you can just like buy something, you know, at like a dollar store for, you know, or something, you know, for cheaper than you could with the materials used to make it. And I think, um, you know, that's definitely a valid point in, in some cases, but I think DIY is more about the creative process. You know, some people really just enjoy making things, um, myself included. So for me, I think, you know, DIY was originally born out of necessity because I had a limited budget and needed to make things myself. But eventually I, I realized that it was cathartic for me to create something out of nothing, yeah. you know, and it became more of a, an art form, you know, a therapy form, a poetry form, whatever, you know, but um, yeah, I definitely get my creative juices flowing from DIY for yeah. sure. That's so beautiful to hear because I do hear those comments where some people say it costs more to buy these materials to make right. the DIY <laughs> that you can just buy. But right. as you said, there are a lot of people who find so much joy through it. Right. And um, and that's what matters. So yeah, for sure. So, what is something from your childhood home that you now incorporate into your home with your family? My uh, grandmother had these little um, crystal salt cellar bowls that she used to keep on her kitchen counter, um, and then that got passed down to my parents and then they have passed it down to me. And so I um, keep them like right around the stove area where um, I have like my olive oil and my vinegar and my little like salt bowls, which I just cherish. I love them so much. I love salt (laughs) cellars so much. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have some of those too passed down for my grandmother, these little tiny crystal salt cellars and then these little teeny, teeny sterling silver spoons that look like they belong like in a dollhouse. 
I remember. Yeah, so I remember cute. those too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have the spoons anymore. I just have the the little bowls and the cellars. But yeah, for sure, it's um, something. I, I some one of them I keep little like matchsticks in them, um, just so I have them close by to like light candles. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. And then my final question to you is, as you know, our podcast is called Being Home with Hunker. What does being home mean to you? Um, For me, I think being home, I grew up, uh, you know, traveling everywhere. My dad was in the Navy and then the State Department. So, you know, we lived everywhere. We lived in Africa. We lived in Europe, all over the States. And so I never had like a solid home base. You know, it changed all the time. And so... For me, I think my concept of home is more of like a state of mind. It's not necessarily a physical place, but it's it's a place wherever my loved ones are, you know, where I feel safe, uh, where I can feel nurtured, where I feel loved, and um, you know, sort of where I can hunker down from mm. from the outside world. That's to me, it's more of a a state of mind, I would say. I love it. <laughs> You're so lovely, Trisha. You know I adore you so much. Oh, I adore you. <laughs> thank you so much for today. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is the first podcast I've ever done. You are a pro as you always are. And I thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. Yes. <laughs> To learn more about Trisha, visit her website at trishasprouse.com. Her last name is spelled S-P-R-O-U-S-E. Or find her on Instagram at Trisha Sprouse to see all her incredible DIY and lifestyle projects. Also, to see some of the DIY tutorials we mentioned in this conversation, visit our show notes for direct links or head over to hunger.com forward slash DIY. In our show notes, you can also discover other episodes we think you might like based on this conversation, such as my chat with HGTV star Leanne Ford, interior designer DeBito, and DIY creator for Rented Homes, Medina Grillo. Thank you for listening to Being Home with Hunker. For more information about this episode or others, visit hunker.com forward slash podcast. And if you don't already, please follow our show. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review and share it with your friends. It really does help. Being Home with Hunker is produced by me, Lori Gunning-Grossman. Eve Epstein is our executive producer. The podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio. Theme music by Jonathan Grossman. Special thanks to our team at Hunker, senior designer Maury Men, and director of audience development Gina Goff. Hunker's mission is to inspire and empower you to create a space that expresses who you are, shows off your unique style, and makes your life happier and more productive.